This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Rebels Super Herb Elixirs, made with real food ingredients to de-stress and re-energize your body and mind. Learn more at rebel.co, that's R-E-B-B-L dot C-O, and keep listening for details on a giveaway later in the show. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 163 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I am Matt Frazier and Doug Hay is back with us after a long, sad week where he wasn't on the podcast. I wasn't even in the intros, just like I was forgotten. So here, <laughs> here one week and gone the next. Yeah, I know. I don't know why we why we changed it up, but we just said <laughs> Doug is not a good fit for this intro, so so you were asked. No, I, th- I think it was great and, you know, Pamela's interview was was wonderful and i you know it's nice to have her on and and i'm excited to now have robert on again today we have another interview today yes we do we've got a couple of them coming that we won't just be doing all interviews now but we do have a few that are coming to get for some reason they just they just seem to get queued up uh all at once they don't they don't trickle in you just get 10 interview opportunities at one time uh so we do have a few good ones coming anyway uh yes this is robert cheek and this is robert's third episode on no meat athlete radio which is which is a big deal because not too many people have such a distinction. Other than Sid, is he the only? Sid 3P? has one. I think Ray Cronice. I think we did three uh, with Ray. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might be it. There might be a few other people who have, like Rich. We, he was on twice, and one of it was broken up into two episodes. But I don't think that counts as three times. And I don't know. There might be some other exceptions, but I think this is the only ones who have had legitimate interviews three times. So anyway, special club there. And look, it's all boys. It's all men. See, this is a frat club. Oh, man. Trouble. Frat, frat. What's a frat club? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's early in the morning, but we are going to get to the interview. And this was actually a really good one. I, as I was writing down the questions for it, I actually had the same problem with Pamela. I, I couldn't really think of like what specifically to ask. Robert's case was because he's been on two times before, and I just didn't want to keep asking the same food questions, although they're really good episodes, uh, some of our most popular, actually. I just didn't want to keep asking the same stuff. And we just started off by talking about his new book and his, his, their, his he and his fiance Karen, are moving. We talked about his engagement and then just kind of jumped into the book, but, but kind of in what ways it's a different direction for him and, and how he's gone in a different, different direction. And actually, we got into some fairly deep stuff. I mean, this interview was supposed to be maybe 45 minutes long, but we ended up talking a lot about uh, eating processed foods and not being perfect all the time. And uh, there, there was some pretty surprising stuff that came out for me. I mean, not nothing scandalous or anything, and I don't think anybody's trying to hold anyone else, you know, to, to 100% perfect expectations and the expectations of perfect behavior all the time. Uh, who's to even say what perfect behavior is around food? Um, but anyway, it, it was interesting, and, and I think people will like it. It's just, it's just a nice... Uh, somewhat more in depth, maybe than we than we usually go. Not not quite so much how to content, but uh, I guess something more like a, like a ritual podcast. Doug. Oh, I like it. Yeah, which isn't what we're trying to do, but I guess it's not a bad thing because Rich Rich, of course, has a great podcast. No, we we're not not trying to be like Rich. We want to, to do our own thing. We definitely do. All right. Well. Doug, let's get to the interview. I don't think there's too much more. Oh, the final thing to to mention here is I I wanted to mention it in the interview, but never found a good chance. Uh, I was talking about cooking, talking about oil free versus not oil free, and wanted to just alert Nomad Athlete Radio listeners that the 
Nomidathi Cookbook, which is due out next May, May 2017, that that is available for pre-order. So if you go to nomidathi.com slash cookbook, you will be redirected to our publisher's site where you can see all the pre-order options from Amazon or Barnes & Noble and whatever else. Um, and see some details about the book. There's no cover yet, but it is, I've seen some, some sort of preliminary covers with, with, uh, placeholder photos and stuff like that. And, and it, it all looks good. It's coming along, but there's no visible cover yet. Uh, but if you get it, you'll be one of the first and you can always say that. There you go. There you go. Have you pre-ordered your copy yet, Doug? I haven't, but maybe I'll have to do that today. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> possibly we can get you a complimentary copy. I'm not, not sure about that yet, but we'll, mm. we'll work on that. <laughs> That would be nice. A review copy for the show. There you go. Right. <laughs> a digital only copy because you can just e- <laughs> email me the PDF, right? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, so enjoy the interview. I, I enjoyed this one a lot, and uh, I think I think you will too. Hey everyone, Matt Fraser here with my buddy Robert Cheek, who's back for a third episode of No Meat Athlete Radio, but it has been actually over 100 episodes, Robert, since you last appeared. I feel like it was just a really recent thing when we when we recorded the Shredded interview, and now you got a new book and, and all kinds of new things to talk about, so thank you for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here as always, and wow, 100 episodes in between, you have been busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. I, th- I guess it was two summers ago, and we're, we're past then, about an episode a week, and that, that makes sense. So anyway, wow. you, uh, you're in the middle of a move or almost ready to move, right? Yeah, picking up a, a moving truck on, uh, in a couple of days. Whatever, I don't even know what today is, but it's in, uh, we're picking it up on Saturday. So, okay. Yeah, three or four days from now. Yeah, I mean, you, you seem to move about as often as anybody I know. Uh, where you're moving from, so you're in Colorado still, right? And you're moving to, is it Utah? No, it's not. <laughs> moving to Arizona. Arizona. They're all the same so. thing. Those and states, I, I, that corner states, they're all the same. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're big states out west, and I have lived in Utah before. But you know what, Matt? The exciting thing about this move, and you're right, I do move a lot. I've, I move like every year or so to usually a different state. But in this case, we actually just bought a house, so wow. I am uh, now a first-time homeowner. I got the keys six days ago, so this is a more of a permanent move, I would I would say, uh, compared to a lot of the other ones where we rented for a period of time and got to know the community, and then took off somewhere else. Wow. Is it? And I know we've got the engagement. Congratulations on that to Karen, which is wonderful. Yeah, thank you. That was actually exactly two months ago. And Karen reminded me this morning. She said, did you know it was exactly two months ago today that we got coached? <laughs> and I said, of course I did. <laughs> right. Well, that's the only answer. <laughs> I remember when we used to remember the, the engagement date, but that those days have passed. But that's okay. Now we have a wedding date and it's just as good. So is it is it too early to say that Robert Cheek is settling down? Is, is that... Uh, you know, it starts to appear that way, and that's something I've never really done before in my adult life or at any time in my life, really. But now, I mean, it's been a crazy summer. Engagement, bought a house, we're moving to a new state. I'm starting to get this idea that I'm going to slow down a little bit with my travels. You know, I've been on the road, I think, about 200 days a year the last couple of years, but... I really think I'm going to slow down a little bit and and start writing more books and creating more content and just being a little more present and being a little more involved in a specific community and, and really settle in to Arizona. We're in the Phoenix area, and I mean, I, I really enjoy it there, and I look forward to the, the vegan athlete community, the weather, the fact that we have places like Sedona and the Grand Canyon, just a very short drive away. Uh, close proximity to Los Angeles and Las Vegas, a couple cities we frequent for 
festivals, conventions for work, all those types of things. So uh, I think I am starting to settle down a little bit, and uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to writing and, and getting some sunshine and, and slowing down. I like it. It sounds like Robert Cheek, the, the suburbanite. Is it, is, is it the suburbs? Please yeah, you know, we're, we're, in, um, we're in a really uh, nice area of Mesa, and people don't often you know, necessarily think of Mesa as a nice area. Uh, it's a suburb of Phoenix, but it does have some really nice areas. For example, we are. I've posted a couple photos, although I've been a little bit quieter on social media platforms, especially Facebook. Lately, I'm 11 days in a row off of Facebook. Thank you. And uh, just trying something new. I have posted a few photos. We are four minutes drive from our front door to this, to the Salt River, which is uh, beautiful with a red mountain behind it and wild horses that roam in the water in and around the surrounding areas. We have cactus fields on uh, either side within a minute drive. I mean, probably five minute walk or something. So I go out and take photos of the sunset with cactus in the foreground and this glowing yellow sun in the background and pink sky. Uh, it, it's awesome. So we are in a little suburb right at the base of a mountain with just nature and wilderness all around us. So, uh, so I'm really excited about that too. And we're not even close to stores and gas stations and any of that kind of stuff. We're just isolated out in nature at the base of a mountain and it's great. Nice. Very cool. Well, good for you, Robert. I'm really glad to hear that. And, uh, Hope others are as well. So you got the new book coming out. Is it is it next year? Is that right? Twenty seventeen. It's looking like that. It's something that it's called Plant Based Muscle, uh, and it has a subtitle something along the lines of uh, Tools to uh, Build Your Body on a Plant Based Diet. Similar to you know, I should have it memorized by now, but we're in the editing phase, and I just <laughs> there's lots going on in my head, and it's the subtitle is somewhat similar to some of my other subtitles. So uh, you know get those a little bit mixed up but uh but yeah you know uh this book i'm writing with my training partner vanessa espinoza plant-based muscle uh, which is the name of her brand actually and i thought it would be a really good fit for this since we're co-authoring and she actually takes a a a strong uh leadership role in this book too with uh, demonstrating and describing hundreds of exercises and workouts and really delving into her specific nutrition plans which have fueled her as a plant-based athlete for a decade and a half and she's quite accomplished uh, all-american college basketball player drafted into the WNBA three-time Golden Gloves state boxing champion in Colorado personal trainer for nearly 10 years and I mean pound for pound the strongest person I know man or woman hmm. she's incredible and incredibly sweet and one of my absolute best friends and really I was hoping to get this book out by the new year, and we still we still might. I mean, we're uh, I'm finishing the editing today uh, for start to finish, about 300 word pages or so, and um, you know it would have been done I think a little bit earlier, but this whole move and the house buying process has taken months to do, and uh, being a little bit too focused on social media platforms, trying to grow business leading up to making the home purchase. I mean, business went through the roof, but it took like Gary Vaynerchuk style work ethic, uh, <laughs> just 10, 15 hours a day spamming way too much, but selling a whole lot of books and clothing and making the, the home buying process possible. So that's what backed it up a little bit. I just w want to mention because we did hype it up that it should be out by the new year and, and it, it might be, but it's it's looking like probably early 2017. So fall 2017. Um, 
I'm just kidding. I know. I know it goes. It, it's very, very easy to push these things back. Right. That, that took me a second. I'm like, what? That confusing the seasons. Um, but no, that's how it is in publishing, right? I mean, yeah. that's how it is in writing a book. This is my third book, if you don't count my count my training journal that came out, Spiral Bound, a smaller project. This will be my third big book, and you're right. It does take much longer than you think. I mean, you think editing, oh, that'll take a few months, and it takes the better part of an entire year. Yep. Or you try to get peer reviews. My last book, as you know, peer-reviewed from Dr. Campbell and Gregor and Forks Over Knives and Dr. Esselstyn and all these people. You know how, how hard it is to track those guys down and, and, and actually have them look at something and get back to you? Well, I, I, I know that you know that, yep. and it, that's a long process. So, And we do plan to get peer reviews with this book, too. In fact, I should send it to you when we're done. I think you'll like some of the, the stuff you read. So actually, that's that's a good segue because you, you just yourself said that a lot of the subtitles are very similar to, or sorry, that the subtitle or the, the subtitles that you're thinking about are similar to the ones you've had in the past. And as I just looked at, at basically that stuff that you sent me about the book, that was my question is what, for someone listening to this, in their head, how can they how can they place this book in the in the Robert Cheek catalog? I mean, is obviously you're not going to write the same book you've already written. So what is the difference here um, that would be relevant to someone listening to this? Yeah, it's a good question, and that's something I have to ask myself every day that I'm editing. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. today I was chopping out paragraphs, removing pages. Like Robert, you've said this before, uh, or you've already mentioned to it or alluded to it in this in this new book already in a previous chapter. Let's go ahead and cut this out. You know, the, the main difference is that this book is really focused on the fitness side of things. You, a lot of my other books have been heavily focused on the motivation, setting goals, you can do it, here's what you have to do, you know, consistency plus, um, plus uh, accountability equals improvement or you know, consistency plus adaptation uh, equals success. These types of formulas that I've created and have followed in order to achieve this, that, or whatever in athletics or in, in books. And of course, I've covered quite a bit on the plant-based nutrition front as well. But with this specific book, since let me give you a little context or background, as you know, I, I took a little bit of a break from lifting weights a couple years ago, and that's when I bumped into Vanessa. I mean, I was weighing maybe 165 pounds, uh, 170 at most. I was running half marathons with Karen. I was just having fun, taking a break from lifting. I met Vanessa in the gym. We started training together. And now you have to remember that the, the peak, the biggest I ever was in my bodybuilding days was 195 pounds. And training with Vanessa over the course of about a year and a half, I went from 165 pounds to 205 pounds, bigger, stronger, more muscle mass than I've ever had in my entire life. And I realized there was a connection there. There was something to do with Vanessa's training approach that was able to help me uh, decline bench press 330 pounds. I mean, I got really strong using 120 pound dumbbells in each hand. I mean, this was this was new territory for me, and I realized that there, something was at play here. Something was worth discussing and talking about and sharing. And so that was really where this book started from. Was okay. Here I gained something like forty pounds in a year and a half, and it wasn't just muscle that I already had. I mean, I'm I'm ten pounds, twelve pounds heavier than I've ever been, and I haven't even competed in six years, and I'm just lifting for the the fun of it, the pure joy of it. And, and, and sorry, Rob, we should point out that that this is also correct me if I'm wrong, but this is post the trans the the transition to Whole Foods, which was basically what we talked about in our last interview. Whereas before, when you wrote Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness, you were more about you know some of the more processed stuff, not 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 
junk food, but more processed. Whereas then you did the T. Colin Campbell course. And then after that, you were pretty much, you know, oil free and, or, or at least very low oil and uh, yeah. all about whole foods. Right. So, I mean, this, this, this new, new peak or whatever it would be, uh, is, is with this different diet, right? Right. Still primarily whole foods, some processed foods and still completely, uh, supplement free aside from vitamin B12. So I'm sports supplement free since 2012 now. So that's one of the things that's interesting too is because I was using a lot of sports supplements back in the early days of or in the peak of my competitive bodybuilding and I still haven't used any. I mean no protein powders, no essential fatty acid oils, no branched chain amino acids, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Just eating primarily whole foods. Uh, some processed foods I admit and I mentioned that in the book with just the the schedule of, of traveling and, and things like that, that have kind of squeaked their way back into the diet a little bit. But, but yes, it is, it is worth pointing out that this is approach that still largely forks over knives focused, still very much Dr. T. Kong Campbell style, still totally sports supplement free, yet I've achieved results I never achieved when I was at my most uh, determined, driven, manic bodybuilding self. <laughs> And so that's why, and I know it's a long description, but I think that that context and background is important because this book is so focused on the exercise aspect. I think in the preview I sent you with a little bit of info about the book, I mentioned something like uh, 100 exercise demonstrations in the title. Well, I actually counted, and it's like 234, so I changed it (laughs) to more than 200. So it is a lot uh, of, of exercise focus. Exercises I guarantee you've never seen before. And that's what Vanessa does. She's really innovative. She does creative things. I mean, imagine doing regular push-ups. She does push-ups where you're facing a wall. You do a push-up and then kind of like a Superman jump and, and put your hands up against the wall, like almost suction them to the wall <laughs> and, and then back down. And she does these variations and innovation with lots of different muscle groups using Things like barbells and dumbbells, but also cables and elastic bands and agility ladders and your own body weight. I mean, she's really, really creative. And training with her allowed me to reach new heights in areas of muscle gain, strength that I never experienced before. I never I never actually thought I could achieve. I mean, between you and me and I guess everyone listening, um, I wasn't sure I, I had it in me to to break 200 pounds. I mean, I tried and tried and tried stuffing myself with 5,000 calories a day and six protein drinks a day during the height of my bodybuilding. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't get over 200 pounds. I thought maybe it's just not in my genetic makeup. I mean, I'm a, I'm kind of born to run. I I was a decent runner. and, And when I take a break from lifting weights, I'm back down to 165, 170 pounds. But I was able to achieve this, this breakthrough. And then with strength as well, I mean, I wasn't sure that I could that I could press on my own three 45 pound plates on each side of the bar, uh, for a, a decline barbell bench press. But I was able to do that and more and press around 330 pounds. And so that's when I got the idea that I want to share some of these experiences I've had with Vanessa, which is her innovation, creativity, her intensity, her insane consistency. I mean, she's a personal trainer for clients, I think she works six or seven days a week and often works out with her clients too. So she might be training two or three times a day, but she's so focused on nutrition and recovery that she's able to recover, adapt and maintain an incredibly strong and muscular build. So, so that's what I think what differentiates this book is that 
it's very, very much focused on the exercises and the exercise demonstrations and exercise and workout programs. And it has Vanessa's voice with all my other books, though I've had some contributions for meal plans, recipes, I've interviewed people, I've, had, I've shared some success stories and transformation stories. This is my first time truly co-authoring with somebody. So you really get Vanessa's voice coming through as well. And that's what I think uh, a lot of readers can look forward to. They've seen her on Instagram. Maybe they've, they've seen pictures of me and her and they're like, wow, I've never seen anyone like that. Um, how does she do it? And, and this book reveals how, how that's done. Cool. That's, cool. That does sound really interesting uh, and, and very different from what you've done before. And I, I'm curious about what, like already, what uh, what specifically it is that that would make you, you know, experience these these kinds of results, when the rest of your life up to this point you've you've gotten something less than that. Is there? I mean, you mentioned a lot of things. You mentioned her intensity and her consistency, and you mentioned a little bit about food and a lot about the exercise demonstrations. Is it all of those? Is I mean, is that what you think? the experience with her has been the part that has that has allowed you to reach these these new levels of performance is it all of them or is there one is it mostly the the mechanics of the exercises and the different exercises or is it mostly the consistency i mean what what do you think that it mostly is well that that's that's a good question and you know i don't think it's the consistency because i've been incredibly consistent in the past i mean as consistent as anybody i know and that's what i write about that's what i live and eat sleep and breathe so as I'm as I'm kind of thinking about it or reflecting on it right now, um, what I ha- what I'd have to say is it almost sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's the fact that th- there's nobody I know who enjoys working out more than Vanessa. I mean, she just loves it. Like she just, I mean, when you go on vacation with somebody, they you know they I don't know want to sit by the pool or go shop or go check out restaurants. I mean, Vanessa just wants to go to the gym. She wants to go check out whatever gym is you know nearby or um, what's the What's the closest hardcore gym? Not just the hotel gym, but where can I lift some really heavy weights? <laughs> and it, I think it's this enthusiasm of, of, uh, of just loving the, the practice. And so that's, that's a, something that I don't know if I've talked much about, but during my bodybuilding career, I honestly didn't always love it. I mean, it was a chore. It was a, a, a task. It was a burden because I had to do it. I was living this Back then, I was one of the only vegan bodybuilders around. I had to basically carry a lot of this expectation on my shoulders. And there were many days I didn't want to train at all. And I totally resented going to the gym because I felt I have to. If I compete in 11 and a half weeks, every day is important. I mean, I can't skip today's workout because it's going to set me back. And then I would go to the gym and kind of go through the motions and resent it. And that wasn't always the case, of course. I mean, I, I truly enjoyed it and loved it at times. But I can honestly say that I'm just having fun these days. I'm just, I'm just having fun in the gym. And one of the things that I strive for is to get stronger. And I, I think it's just a combination of trying to get stronger and actually getting stronger and building more mass along the way. And, of course, the more mass you have, the more mass you can move and the stronger you get as a result of just carrying more mass and being able to push more mass. Your body adapts to those new levels of, of strength capacity. And I think that's really – the recipe, I think, is that uh, I mean, I'm training with a, a, a three-time state boxing champion, an all-American college athlete, uh, someone drafted into the professional leagues of basketball. There's there's a certain level of intensity there. There's a mentality there, much like I get from guys like Brandon Brazier when I hang around him. He has a certain certain mentality about him when he trains. It's different than people who just 
you know, just train and, and go through the motions or they have a few New Year's resolutions and they're trying to uh, get closer to achieving those. So I guess, Matt, that's what I'd say. I, I think it's her her joy for lifting, her, her intensity and the, the amount of effort she puts into it that just kind of rubs off on me and I find myself having more fun and, and, that, and that makes a big difference. That's that's great. I mean, I think I think people who don't do bodybuilding can relate, especially runners. I'm thinking of because in my own experience, there there are a lot of days when the running itself isn't or wasn't fun, uh, but but the process is. But I think that I, I can see how there would be a renewed enthusiasm when suddenly uh, every day is fun, and and especially when it comes as a result of hanging around someone uh, who just who kind of just plays at this different level, like you mentioned with with Brendan Brazier as well. Uh, and at you know I, I, I'm surely aware of how that's kind of stuff, just how it rubs off. Um, so do you think you, do you think you capture that in the book? Like, do you think someone reading it is going to get a, a sense of that, of that enthusiasm and, and feel as if they're, as if they're hanging out with, with people who are, who are that excited about it? Yeah, I, absolutely. In fact, I was just editing right before we hopped on this call and I was, I, I was editing this a day in the life chapter. We have this day in the life of a champion vegan athlete or champion plant-based athlete, however we worded it. And it's interesting to see that. I mean, even reading, uh, of course, I, I contribute to that chapter, Vanessa contributes. But for me, it's more interesting to read her story because, for one, uh, I've already written a couple books. This is her first. And I, I already know my story, my background. I think a lot of readers do too. But to see a day in the life of, I mean, she's up at 4 a.m., for example. She starts it at 4 a.m. She has very calculated breakfast it's something like uh it's all measured you know half a cup of cooked quinoa two uh teaspoons of peanut butter two teaspoons of chia uh, a, a teaspoon of cinnamon two teaspoons of hemp seeds uh i'm actually reading from i have it right in front of me um a cup of matcha tea with lemon i mean it, it's very it's very specific and it's like you said that it's hanging around different company you know i mean i have a lot of great friends and uh, who are who are really good athletes um but it's it, it is there is something different about hanging out with a or training with a professional athlete and someone who's very very elite and one of the best in the world at what they do and and i think you you will as a reader you will experience that in the book because we have those sections about uh you know my nutrition philosophy vanessa's nutrition philosophy our current training programs um the lessons we've learned along the way and, and programs that have helped adapt uh, our current training philosophies and the day in the life of what it's like to uh, to perform at this level. And I think that is certainly inspiring. And, and uh, in fact, I posted a little while ago on social media before I jumped off to focus on this project and stay away from certain websites that uh, one of the things that I was excited about as I was editing the book because obviously we didn't always sit down in a room together. She would submit stuff to me and I piece it together and, and I have more of a background in writing and editing. And I, I would come across all these exercises I've never seen before. I've never heard of. And I've been exercising, lifting weights for 20 years. And there are these exercises that she describes that I've never even heard of. So that is fun for me to see like, wow, there's a new, here's a new level of creativity and innovation and clearly – this is what helps drive 
Vanessa's results and uh, and my results of gaining forty pounds of of wanted weight, I should say, uh, you know that's important. Um, becoming what I describe in the book with enthusiasm is my biggest and best ever, and I and I thank her a lot throughout the book for for helping me discover things about myself that I didn't know. Great. Well, I look forward to reading it. I'm sure other people do as well. Uh, on a related note, I mean, you mentioned a few minutes ago when we started talking that that there was a shift when you decided to stop bodybuilding competitively and that, you know, you would expect there to be a natural dip in motivation as a result when suddenly, I mean, it may be, it may be an immediate increase in motivation for a little while, but I think for someone who's kind of goal oriented, as I know that you've been for a while, as I am, as probably a lot of people listening to this are, uh, when suddenly you make the decision that whatever the set of goals is, it's not going to be what it was before. And, and the, big, obvious, exciting goal, like whether it's a marathon or a race or an ultra marathon or a certain hitting a certain weight or whatever it is, when you decide that that's, that's no longer what you're doing or, or competitive bodybuilding, uh, I can imagine that there's, there's a period where there is kind of a major dip and you, you figure out what's next. And that's, that's the place where I've been myself in the past few years, really since, since I'm a hundred miler, I haven't really found the thing that, that has just, you know, made me itch and just can't wait to get back out there and train again. Uh, so I'm just curious from, from, in your own experience, what is it that you do to stay motivated? And just whether before or after you met Vanessa or started training with her, um, you know, but the, so that someone here could, could use this. Cause not, of course, like there are a lot of people who, who are the most inspiring person they know, right? I mean, who, who, right. People who are listening to this are, you know, they're interested in another level and chances are they don't have a bunch of friends or even maybe even one friend who is kind of more, you know, has it together more than they do and is, is always pushing them harder and harder. Maybe they're that person who already is, maybe, like I said, the most motivated, the most inspired person they know. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you handle that? I mean, what do you do? Well, Matt, it's, uh, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, I think. I mean, to be honest, one of the hardest things I've had to do and face head on and come to, to terms with is that transition of you have to remember, uh, or maybe I shouldn't say that to, there's a lot of listeners who don't remember, but you, I know you know, uh, that I go back as a vegan athlete more than 20 years. And in the early days, I was one of the only vegan bodybuilders around. And so I, I worked really hard to carry that torch and represent myself in a certain way. And like I said, at times it was, it was overwhelming, that the burden was and expectations were were so high that I just didn't want to do it anymore. And it was liberating the day. I mean, I won my, I think the last competition I won, or maybe I think I did one more like a week later and got third place, but but it was really competitive. And so I felt pretty good about that. And then I retired and, and it was so liberating. And I sat down and wrote my first book, Vegan Bodybuilding in like, you know, wrote a hundred pages in four days. And I was so excited for that transition. And, and then I, I released more books and, over the years, but but I've had to I've had to constantly try to set some new goals and new ambitions, and some have moved outside of fitness and have moved over to writing or business or building a brand. And another thing that's that's been a a, a bit of a challenge and something that I still deal with every day, and it's not the most comfortable thing to deal with, but it's actually going from where I was the only guy essentially to today trying to stay relevant. I mean there's a time there there are times where there are so many plant-based athletes these days which is wonderful by the way it's not a it's not a complaint or anything like that. 
but it's just a completely different environment than what I'm used to, where even vegan bodybuilders now, there's more than I can even count, more than I, I mean, there's YouTube sensations I'd never heard of until someone mentioned them, and then I come to find that they actually have a massive following, they're hugely popular on certain social platforms, and they're doing their thing, carrying the vegan bodybuilding torch in their part of the world, and making a huge splash, and now I have to accept the fact that I'm not that guy anymore, you know, I'm not the only guy. Uh, in fact, I'm not even nearly as big or as strong or as successful as a lot of other guys who have come, men and women who have come after me in, in the vegan bodybuilding world. And now the task is, how do I stay relevant? And and that is tough. That is tough because I have to think of it from a physical standpoint. I want to represent myself well and stay in really good shape and be strong and, and be a a motivating factor for some or role model or whatever the case is for other people. Uh, but I also have to be comfortable with myself and pursue my own passions and not make this a chore or a burden just to try to stay competitive or just to try to keep up with other people. I have to find what my own passion is and what moves me. And, and that's what I think, and that's what I think writing will do for me, writing books. I think you know some of my background that I've wanted to be a writer and author since I was eight years old. I think I get that from my, father who's an author of about 15 books and I guess I knew that as a kid that he was a, a writer and I you know I would see books around the house or with his name on it and I knew that he was he was an author by the time I was in third grade and it kind of hit me that that's that's what I wanted to do and my dream and goal of becoming a bodybuilder came much later and so now that that's been achieved and I've kind of reached that, like you said, with your 100-miler or marathon or qualifying for Boston or whatever it is for you. I've kind of come uh, to terms with and, and I'm at peace with the fact that my bodybuilding career is likely over. And, and I can transition to pursue something that I've wanted to do since I was uh, a little kid. And that's what motivates me and drives me now. I mean, I, I was fairly successful in bodybuilding as I was in running in the early days. And now I want to do that as a writer. And you know what? Here's, here's a little analogy. I just talked to a few people about, a few friends, including Vanessa, but a few other friends over the last few weeks, actually, as I've been talking about this new transition that I'm going through. And I kind of liken it to this. Uh, there's a lot of kids who, when they grow up, I mean, when they're kids, they, they dream of becoming a professional athlete. They want to be in the NFL or in the NBA, or they want to be a a major touring musician in a rock band or solo artist. You know, they want it. That's what they want to achieve w when they're older. And I mean, for many kids, not for everybody, of course. But for me, I see my NBA, you know, my NFL, my uh, Billboard, you know, top ten list or whatever, is making it as a New York Times bestselling author. And that's where I'm really transitioning. I mean, I've sold lots of books, as as have you, but I've never really hit the big scene as an author and and not that I will with this this book but it's a it's a process that I'm now setting as a goal as something that I that I'm pursuing and, and maybe even starting to talk about publicly like I am with you today that that's my new my new big goal I mean anybody can write a book anybody can release a book but to to really make it you know to, to get drafted into the NBA that's what I wanted to, I want to do as an author and for me I've got to reach the New York Times uh, bestseller list to achieve that. 
So I need a New York publisher. I need, you know, there's a lot of things I need to do and, I, and I'm working on all, all that right now. So, so I guess that's, that's the new goal. And what drives me is just to try to continue to be relevant, continue to have a positive influence on people. And if I can reach a, a much wider audience through this new goal of mine, then, then that's what I, I plan to pursue. That's all really interesting, Robert. Uh, it, it, there are a lot of parallels just listening to you talk that, that I have kind of recognized in myself, not, not in the athlete part of it, believe it or not, because that, that's never been like, I mean, although, you know, you were a competitive bodybuilder, I was never a competitive runner. It was just sort of personal drive that I wanted to, you know, beat certain times or do whatever for myself. Um, but, but with no mean athlete as a brand, that's, that to me is the parallel to, to you as, as an athlete, because like when, you know, when that started, which was of course was way, way after you began your thing, as far as just being a vegan bodybuilder, uh, but, but in 2009, when I started that, there wasn't really anything else out there. It was very little. And that was one of the reasons that I decided to start it because I personally couldn't find information about actually back then it was just vegetarian. I couldn't find information about becoming vegetarian and still being an athlete. Um, so, but I, but I totally recognize what you're saying about this, this struggle to stay relevant when you're no longer the only one there doing it. Uh, and in fact, and you've been at it a while. So you've, you've, you know, as, as in any I don't know, business, other kinds of structures, uh, there's, there's less incentive to, to be risky and be the exciting in the way that a new up and comer is, um, right. Cause there's stuff in place. There's reputations to uphold. There's stuff you can and can't do now. And that's, that's always a battle for me too. So that's all really interesting to me. Uh, I think it's very cool though, that although you've entirely shifted your focus, right. Cause the, the writing may have nothing to do with bodybuilding. H- hitting the New York times bestseller list may I don't know what your plans are, but it may be with a book that is about motivation or personal development or something entirely exactly. away from bodybuilding. Exactly. Um, but you, at the same time as you're now focusing on this other goal, you're excelling at bodybuilding more than you, you ever had before when it was your primary goal. Uh, can you talk about that? I mean, is that an accident or is that, uh, is that a stepping stone towards the, the larger goal for you now of, of writing? Well, I think at first it was an accident because I was just having so much fun. I mean, I'm just, that's just the way it is. I was having so much fun. I just wanted to train all the time. I mean, I even took a, a 10 day trip out to Venice Beach, uh, Venice Gold's Gym, the mecca of bodybuilding. I rented a little, uh, no joke, Airbnb tough shed. You know, tough shed, like 10 foot by like eight foot. Uh, a plastic little shed. It was, it was, in, no, for real. I mean, right. I, I would sit on the toilet and, I, and my head would hit the refrigerator. It was, um, there was a little like fold out couch. I mean, it was tiny. It was in someone's yard along with other tough sheds that they rented out in Venice and, uh, and an RV trailer or something. I, I stayed there for 10 days and I went to Venice Gold's gym three times a day on average. I think I got there four times a day, a couple times. And it was just because I was having so much fun. I just wanted to be at the gym all the time. And, uh, and it, so by accident, I think I started all of a sudden excelling a lot more. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is crazy. I'm like 190 pounds now and then 195. And wow, I actually see the scale over 200. This is, this is really crazy. And I started writing about it for Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine. I started uh, putting this book together. Actually, I, I started this new book uh, probably eight or nine months ago. It's it's nearly a year in the works. And I started sharing some of those ideas and formulating an outline for sharing these thoughts. And where it became less of an accident is when that idea came out in my head again that, uh-oh, Robert, now you got a new book coming out. Uh, and it's called Plant-Based Muscle. 
and you're talking about all this great success that you personally experienced, you have to make sure you walk around carrying that success. Hmm. And so uh, that's just something that I, I thought I had a responsibility to do. But luckily, I have found enjoyment in it and not necessarily feeling like it's this expectation I have to do. It's this burden that I have to do because the book's going to come out in a few months. I've got to look a certain way. I don't really care uh, anymore about that, carrying that expectation and what people might think. I just they, they just go hand in hand these days that the more driven I am, the more fun I'm having, the more records I'm setting in personal strength, that the bigger and stronger I tend to get, and then the more motivating stories I have to write about. And like you said, and you're, you're absolutely right, there, my goals of being a New York Times bestselling author have nothing to do with writing about vegan fitness. I mean, my first book I actually ever submitted to an agent and then later on to publishers was a book called Take Action and Make It Happen. I wrote it, a 300-page book back in, I want to say 2007, 2008, and 2008 is when I pitched it to, uh, to various publishers through an agent, uh, the same agent that Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary had at the time. That's how I got connected, and it, it uh, eventually got turned down by every single publisher, and that was because I, I wasn't Tony Robbins. You know, I didn't have, I didn't even have the vegan bodybuilding book at that point. I didn't have that much of a story. I just had a lot of ideas in my head that I thought were really powerful and would get people really motivated and goal oriented and driven to follow their passion and make it happen. But now, as a result of writing a couple books, uh, creating worldwide tours, and, and being invited to Australia and Europe and all over. Uh, Canada and United States and and getting hundreds of thousands of followers online and and creating a brand and all of this I feel like I do have more to share now from the motivational aspect so you want to start a brand so you want to have a strong presence on social media so you want to make uh, you know a six-figure income following your own passion doing your own thing working for yourself I feel I, I can write about that now and I can share lessons learned along the way and people who helped along the way and, and people like you who inspire me because I see you growing and growing and growing and I even think, wow, I got to stay <laughs> relevant with vegan bodybuilding because no meat athlete is escalating uh, so far. Uh, and there's so many things that you do that that's why I said, I, I told you last time I, I talked to you, I wanted to come job shadow you for a while. <laughs> to come, no, I'm not for real. I, I hope you do. I want to like hang out with with you for a week, you know, follow your every step, but because uh, there's a ton that I can learn. But now, so that is my goal now. Now, because I mean, look at vegan bodybuilding. It's it's left in so many capable hands, like Tori Washington and Giacomo Marchese and Danny Taylor and Derek Treesize and Vanessa Espinoza and Simone Collins and Luke Tan, and, and the list goes on and on of highly accomplished vegan bodybuilders and, and athletes, vegan athletes. And I feel like I can comfortably transition without totally losing my own identity and without losing my place in the, in the vegan athlete world by kind of quietly slipping away and, and writing about the experiences over the last 20 years that enabled me to be successful in sports, in brand building, in business, and I can share that with enthusiasm in a general, maybe I go back to that title, Take Action, Make It Happen. I don't know. But I write something along those lines that I think will be the biggest project that I ever do. And of course, because it's a true story, it will tie in my compassionate vegan lifestyle and some of the things that I really want to 
communicate to a mass mainstream audience. So, um, so that's where that's so that's where I'm at these days, and, and what I hope to accomplish once I release this book and can kind of just sit back for a minute and evaluate a, a two decade long vegan athlete career and decide where to go next. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to move on and talk about food because I just can't, I mean, I'm, we'll probably talk about some of the things we've already talked about, but I can't uh, pass up an opportunity to, to talk to you and pick your brain about food a little bit. Um, but I do want to wrap up this discussion with, with asking if, I mean, when you were talking, it sounded to me like it was the quit, not, not the quitting, but the, the, whatever you've, you've called it of, of retiring as a, as a competitive bodybuilder. It sounds like that is the reason that you got excited about it. Not, not a coincidence or, or something that, you know, accidentally led to something else. It sounds like you got excited as soon as you stopped taking it so seriously or, or, you know, getting this burden off of you and, and feeling like it was a, it was a job and a chore, but now suddenly it became fun. Would you say, is that fair to say? I mean, it, it did, did taking it less seriously sudden suddenly make it fun? Yeah, I think so. And it also opened up other opportunities and other doors where I could take time to write a book. I could take time to write articles and create content or spend 15 hours a day building communities if I wanted. Uh, before, I, I really was training one, two, three times a day uh, for relation of hours. And I know I, I seem to mention this guy in almost every podcast I do with you, but I really started to follow Brendan Brazier's model because I came, I met him towards the end of his competing days. In fact, I watched him compete. I, I filmed it for a documentary that I did in 2005. Uh, I watched him compete in a half Ironman triathlon live in person. And he slowly transitioned into growing the product line and brand of Vega. And and wrote, I mean, he's written like five books since then or something like that. And he's the one that helped me write my first book, inspired me to write the vegan bodybuilding book when I got turned down by everyone, including I was at his house when I got turned down by his publisher <laughs> that day. And he sat me down and said, Robert, this is what you got to do. You got to write about what you, what you know, and that's vegan bodybuilding. No one's going to take your motivational stuff seriously. You got to write about what you know. And so I did. And so I, I, I really model a lot of the stuff that I'm doing after Brendan Brazier where I could – I could take that pressure of competing off and, and fill that time and passion with other things like writing, like traveling, uh, like building a brand and a business. And, and at the end of the day, I think you're right, that taking it less seriously and just finding the fun in it, it was just a, a breath of fresh air and it really helped me uh, perhaps be, from a building muscle standpoint, better than ever. And I'm not getting any younger. You know, I'll be 37 on my next birthday. But... Even so, uh, it's helped me by leaps and bounds just because of the, the lower stress and the higher level of enjoyment. Yeah, I think that's all really important. And I think, I think to someone listening to this who, who relates to what you're saying uh, about just feeling like it is such a, such a job and such a chore and, and you wonder if it's really fun or why you do it anymore, don't forget that there is the option of doing less of it, right? Like, like maybe not quitting entirely, but but taking a break, or or even even longer than that, saying I I am retiring from this particular pursuit, moving on to something else. And I think, as I mentioned with with myself and No Meat Athlete, that it, you know it, it's gotten to be a harder thing, or it just became more of a job for sure. It's you know wasn't quite as fun as it was in the early days when it was this you know crazy new thing I was doing. Um, but but even since in the past, I don't know three months, I've kind of taken an interest in in cooking and had more of the content from No Meat Athlete been from other people, kind of guest content, uh, still stepping in now and then, you know, writing as me. But um, that, I, I noticed exactly what you said, that as soon as I 
stopped taking that all so seriously and said, it's okay if this isn't, if I'm not showing up every single week to write a new post because I can't anymore. Um, but doing something tangentially related and really pouring a lot of energy, this sort of new fun energy into something. And for me, that's been cooking, uh, that then all of a sudden the ideas start flowing about Nomad Athlete again. Like suddenly I've got something to say and I can write a good post and see it be successful. So I mean, there are a lot of parallels there and I don't know how relevant they will seem to someone listening to this, but, uh, I do hope that that someone who's who's struggling can with with whatever it might be can can you know use your example and then my secondary one uh, about about it being an option to to say I'm going to stop doing this the way I've been doing it in a, in a, you know I'm going to start doing something drastically different and uh, it's quite possible that that's going to lead to the original thing being more fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's take a quick break, Robert, to thank our sponsor. We'll be back in one minute. We'd like to thank this week's sponsor of No Meat Athlete Radio, Rebel, and their delicious super herb elixirs and proteins. Rebel's elixirs and protein drinks are made with coconut milk and super herbs to de-stress and re-energize your body and mind. With the exception of just two that use honey as a sweetener, all the rest are completely plant-based, certified organic, non-GMO, and soy-free. Matt, we had the chance of trying several of Rebel's super herb elixirs, and I gotta say, they were pretty darn good. I think my favorite was the dark chocolate, which packs 16 grams of protein. But with flavors like maca cold brew and mocha, there's a flavor for everyone. Rebel has once again been gracious enough to give away a case of the Rebel elixirs to one lucky listener. All you have to do is head over to the show notes of today's show at nomeatathlete.com slash radio 163 and leave us a comment about the show. We'll choose one U.S.-based winner to receive the free case of these delicious elixirs before Thursday, October 20th. To learn more about Rebel, find them online at rebel.co. That's R-E-B-B-L dot C-O. And click the Where to Buy button to find elixirs in a store near you. Okay, uh, back with Robert Cheek here. We talked a lot in the first part of this interview about motivation and, of course, your new book, uh, which is called Plant-Based Muscle, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> That's the easy part to remember, right? Yeah, and then there's that, that, that pesky subtitle. <laughs> I've got like three of them in front <laughs> yeah, of me that you said. to build your body on a plant-based diet. Uh, and there's also a mini subtitle of more than 200 exercise demonstrations for beginner, intermediate, and advanced athletes. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but I did say I wanted to talk about food at the beginning of this interview. You mentioned uh, that you were eating a little bit more processed food. Some of them had kind of snuck back in. Um, what? What are? What? When you mention processed food, what? What are you eating? And is there a reason? Is it? Do you think it helping? It's helping you, or is it sort of just out of convenience? Yeah, you know that's a interesting topic, and it's something like I walk this tightrope, and I realize that, and then that, at least that's how I feel because I'm the shredded guy that got my book endorsed by Dr. Campbell, Dr. Esselstyn, Forks Over Knives. It's totally oil-free and processed food-free and all that. And it's sold thousands of copies, inspired thousands of people. Uh, in fact, we might even have a some sort of like uh, shredded testimonials book later on down the road of all these people who have uh, changed their life as a result of, of that book, which of course is my, I think, my, my main foundation book, even more than vegan bodybuilding. I mean, shredded, I think, is my signature book at the moment. And, you know, a few things have changed partly due to and i try to i try to explain this without it just sounding like me making a bunch of excuses which i could just say okay fine that's what it is um okay this is robert just making a bunch of excuses moving forward <laughs> but um but but i'll just tell you it, as i was doing a lot of traveling i mean 3 weeks in australia 
three weeks in Asia, uh, a week in Mexico, weeks in Canada, a week in the Caribbean with you. Um, you know, lots of different places. I started to eat a lot more international cuisine. I mean, Indian food, Thai food, uh, let's see, uh, Vietnamese food, Japanese food, Mexican food, all vegan, of course. Um, I even learned how to say that in Thai and everything. I had a little card that was written in Thai that said no fish sauce and all those little, you know, the really specifics. Uh, but uh, so everything obviously remained remained vegan, but I found myself consuming more uh, more processed foods, even within traveling around the U.S. You know, I go to a, a vegan festival, uh, which I know you attend some. I think I read an article uh, you wrote about reasons why you don't attend them, perhaps. I think I read something about that a while back, <laughs> months ago, about VegFest weren't for you, maybe. But anyway, I attend a lot of those. In fact, I'm off to London, England uh, in like 10 days or something, uh, or whatever it is, two weeks for their big VegFest. And I would work these VegFests 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and and do all my th- smiling thumbs up and talk to people and give lectures and all that, and then kind of wind down at the end of the day and find yourself at a Thai restaurant, Indian food restaurant, and all of a sudden, here comes some more processed foods that have some oils in them and, and you know, just whatever, breaded, samosas, the, the whole thing. And so I decided to just kind of embrace that. You know, it was still vegan, uh, of course, and I was still eating a lot of fruit and a lot of whole foods, and that's still the foundation. I still start my day with oatmeal and fruit and nuts and have fruit as snacks. And, I mean, the most processed thing I'll have is a Lara bar, uh, you know, which is, what, fruit and nuts um, <laughs> until until maybe lunch or afternoon. And so uh, I just – I decided I was just going to be be present and kind of accept that. And, and not – again, not to make excuses, but it helps – being on like the vegan cruise with you and you, and you see someone like Dr. Campbell eating vegan pizza and realize that, oh, this is the guy that I'm in a way trying to please because he inspired my new whole food approach. He endorsed my book. He's on the back cover with a quote. Yet he's showing me that it's okay to have vegan pizza uh, while you're on a vegan cruise. or It's okay to have a little bit of processed this. Where I, I, I actually felt like almost like there's security cameras all around me that I have to – live 100% in the way that I wrote this book, but, but that I wasn't. And I felt bad about that. I didn't want to tell anybody that I was eating a burrito here and there, or that I had a wrap, or that I got a, a vegan sandwich from Whole Foods Market. And so I actually, that's again, something that I had to internalize and come to terms with. And I even worried about releasing this new book, Plant-Based Muscle, because, uh, I do open up about that in the book that, uh, as a result of, 200 days on the on the road and maybe some laziness on my part or or convenience or making excuses I did allow all the all that ethnic international cuisine into my diet especially uh, a lot of Mexican food while traveling it's just the easiest thing to get throughout the US and uh, and Indian and Thai food are close second and third wherever I travel all over North America and, and so I opened up about that in in the book and also if I'm being totally transparent and totally honest, which I obviously strive to do, I noted that some of these higher calorie foods, no doubt because they have oil or they're, or they're processed, concentrated, uh, refined calories, contributed to my mass gain to get up to 200 pounds and beyond. And so as I was 
I was, I was aware of this in the present moment, like, oh, wow, um, there must be something related here. Not only am I getting way bigger and stronger training with Vanessa, but I'm also eating a little more casually. And I believe this is allowing me to get even bigger and heavier. And my now fiance, Karen, um, even questioned that. She said, well, is that fair to write about the, the, the shredded lifestyle in this new book if you're not following it to a T? You're not following it the way you once were. You're still totally supplement-free, you know, no sports supplements, but you know, you're eating some you're eating some processed foods in there. You need to be authentic and transparent about that, which of course I absolutely agreed and and I describe that more in this book. So that that's been a that's been an interesting transition too. Um and 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 I, important that you brought up this food topic because I did go from uh, really following that Dr. Campbell forks over knives style as closely as I could. I mean, I would I just I wouldn't <laughs> you know, I wouldn't take uh, some vegan bread if it was free or served on the table with whatever other meal. You know, I just wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't get near that stuff. And now I do. And uh and so I I talk about that. I embrace it and um and I do think you mentioned a word when you asked me this question, was it partly out of convenience that if your diet has changed and I would say I would say yes and I and I feel bad even about admitting it because I wrote a book all about the shredded lifestyle and eating 70 15 15 and super clean but to be honest and I'm really kind of talking about this for the first time I got a little bit bored uh and that's partly my fault maybe I, I should have made more diverse foods or I should have been a little more creative but to be honest, Matt, I just got a little bit tired of eating some of the same stuff. And I wanted something like burritos, again, which are one of my favorite foods. I wanted to have some Indian samosas. You know, I wanted to have a pad thai, which I had last night, by the way. It was very good. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's, it's, I feel a little bit almost embarrassed admitting that. But like I said, I learned from hanging out with Forks Over Knives and Dr. Campbell and seeing them eat processed foods in front of me that, it, that it's okay. You know, it, it, it's okay to have once in a while, or even a little bit every day, if the foundation of the diet is still true to form and still primarily plant-based whole foods. And so that is where my diet has changed a little bit. And I have to be honest and admit that I believe there is a correlation there between my current approach, which is processed foods and whole foods, uh, to surpassing 200 pounds and two, actually I think 207 was my peak. But then again, I was eating way more processed foods and all kinds of isolated nutrients and supplements back in my bodybuilding days and never got close to where I am now. So mm -hmm. it, it's, just, it's just different than when I was eating as cleanly and purely as possible in the shredded way. And, and I really do believe there is some sort of correlation and partly because I, I notice I have a, a little bit higher body fat in certain areas like my midsection even though my arms are still pretty ripped and, and shoulders and other areas are really super lean and great muscle definition, I am carrying around a little bit extra body fat than I'm used to. And no doubt it's from a lot of the oils and processed foods. And so I am actually working on cutting that, cutting that out as we're doing photos for the book. In fact, we're doing some tomorrow. So I better get to work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the the real story. And I do write about it in the book, so it's not going to be a surprise. I mean, people, people will get that info in reading plant-based muscle, but your listeners will get that ahead of time that I have transitioned a little bit to just be a little more comfortable, uh, 
and embrace situations where I'm out at restaurants and stuff and not just beat myself up for it or, or increase stress because I'm trying to be perfect in, in some sort of dietary guideline. You, hear, you heard it here first. Uh, Robert, Robert <laughs> Cheek has, has gone back to processed foods. <laughs> now, that, um, actually, I'm really, really glad that you shared that, Robert, uh, and I appreciate your, your being honest and transparent, which, of course, I, I would expect you to be, uh, because it's something, again, not to keep bringing this conversation back to myself, but hopefully just to draw some parallels. Uh, I've been going through something really, really similar, and I, I wouldn't say it has been out of convenience. I don't travel the way you do, uh, and I'm not presented with, with opportunities where it is so much more convenient just to you know eat some oil in your dinner because we, we just don't go out to eat that much and have that many situations but i mentioned this cooking thing i've been doing uh, and by the way it's called ruby cooking school for you or anyone else who's interested robert r-o-u-x-b-e uh, not sponsored or anything by them just it's been a great experience uh but when i did that i had to kind of make the decision that we because we'd been oil free at home ever since the last cruise or maybe it was i guess it was a year and a half ago it was the 2015 cruise uh, and you know, I was totally on board with that. It was, we were making it work. It was good that we had some slip ups now and then when we went for a week and, you know, had too much oil at home, but for the most part, we were oil free at home. And, uh, when I started doing this cooking class, which is not an oil free course, although it has an oil free unit, uh, I said, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to kind of pour my heart into this cooking and, and the kind of cooking that is really exciting to me right now, isn't oil free cooking. Like that's not something that's going to make me you know, download a bunch of Kindle books and read books about cooking, thinking oil-free the whole time. When I'm reading that stuff and inspired by, for some reason, Italian food just inspires me a lot. Uh, And like you, of course, it's still going to be vegan. uh, But, you know, to do it the real way, to do it the authentic way within the constraints of veganism, of course, not not using all the cheese and and meat. But honestly, it's not that hard to remove that stuff. But, you know, I just want to put the olive oil in there and make it make it the legit Italian meal. And so I said, I'm going to do that while, during this next phase. I'm going to be okay with doing that while I'm in this cooking school. And it's funny what I noticed about just kind of my attitude around food and and the level of, I, I don't know if it's, I don't mean satisfaction in terms of feeling great from eating a, a big, oily, greasy meal, but I just felt like I started sleeping better. Like I just felt like suddenly... And I don't think this is sleeping better because oil or and the other, you know, slightly more processed. I have a little bit more white flour now and then if I want to make pasta and I don't want to do whole wheat. Um, I think it's not a not a nutritional thing that has made me start feeling like I'm sleeping better and just feeling more relaxed. I think it's just kind of the letting go of this stress around food that this feeling of like I have to uh, deprive myself because, you know, that's that's what I've committed to doing. And that's what I'm telling everyone that I'm doing. And that's I want to, you know, live by what I'm saying I'm doing. So suddenly this stress feeling was released when I said, okay, I'm going to let myself do this and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. And it's like suddenly I'm just, you know, suddenly happier. Uh, I've made some other changes in my life and kind of my mindset around the same time. So it's quite possible that those are, are maybe even the, the largest part, playing the largest role in this this somehow just all of a sudden feeling happier and sleeping better. Uh, but, it, you know, it's hard for me to ignore this aspect of the food part of it for the for the longest time i guess not the longest time in the past three years probably uh i've really really felt strongly about this idea that food is not meant to be entertainment if you look at our ancestors and how hunter gatherers ate food wasn't presented in in you know we didn't manipulate it in all these ways we didn't process it it wasn't something that we did as a as a, maybe there'd be some ceremony around it but we just didn't have the means to to make it an entertaining thing to cook and eat food it was it was eating for survival and I think if we want to be as healthy as we can be, depending on how you interpret that, uh, we should eat that way, right? We should eat in a way where food is not entertainment. But I've kind of realized 
that some entertainment in your life can be a really, really good thing. Right? You don't have to be this, this, yeah, I don't know, you know, total purist monk who has sworn off all earthly pleasures. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to be said for that. So I don't know what the answer is that you mentioned feeling bad that you weren't doing the, the 70, 15, 15 thing. But I think that's okay. Like I think people go through phases where they need that. And that is the way for them to eat. Cause it's really inspiring to be eating this new way and getting in shape for the first time or whatever somebody might be doing. Uh, but then I think there are kind of seasons in your life. And I don't just mean calendar seasons, but just seasons that might, a season might last a few years for somebody where the, the right way to eat, the best way to eat for your health mentally and physically might be something different than what it was a few years before that. So I don't know. I think it's a really cool thing. I'm glad to hear you say that. Uh, I can relate to you and, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really appreciate that you shared that. Yeah, thank you. And it, like I said, it's really the first time I've talked about it publicly because I, I often do feel like I have some sort of camera over my head or magnifying glass or something, and where I even I feel in, I mean, legitimately, I feel embarrassed. Like at a veg fest, if I have some sort of processed food behind the table, I want to eat it where no one sees me because they know I'm the shredded guy. They know I'm. <laughs> You know, I hang out with the Forks Over Knives guys these days, or at least that's my perception of what they think of me. Perhaps they don't, they don't think anything of me um, like that. And and it's something I've had to I've had to kind of internalize and, and overcome too. I mean, you have to be comfortable in your own skin, and you have to be you have to realize that uh, you do want to lower stress and you do want to um, enjoy life. And uh, obviously. I don't compromise with the whole vegan thing. Of course, there's deep-rooted belief system that supports that. But I don't have a deep-rooted belief system uh, of having a mango but not a veggie samosa necessarily. Right, right. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going through this like as I'm talking to you, like as I'm working on this book, as I'm editing. I, I'm realizing different levels of comfort of how I feel about writing about it to a public audience about, oh, did Robert just quit? Did he give up? He couldn't, he couldn't stick with it. Maybe this diet doesn't work after all. Um, look, he's bigger now, but he's also fatter, you know, or he carries more body fat. Um, he's, you know, whatever the case is. But I think like you, for you, maybe you're sleeping better. For me, I think I'm just happier. I think I'm just more comfortable. I just, I think I just, and the more I can let go and the more I can talk about it, like right now, live, um, as it's coming to my head, you know, cause I, I haven't really talked about it with people. I, I kind of shy away from it, but the more I think I can talk about it, the more I can be open and just more comfortable too. And, and it does help. Like I said, it helps to see people like Brendan Brazier. Um, <laughs> he probably maybe was, doesn't want me to share. I, I once saw him eat a whole bunch of vegan ice cream and it was hilarious because <laughs> he was like one of my major role models. Of course he still is. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's just eating vegan ice cream like crazy. Um, at this party at Expo West. And, but, but that was helpful to see, wow, he's human. And so is Dr. Campbell. And so is Dr. Gregor. They're, like, they're human. They have great ideas. They inspire legions of people. And they follow their advice for the most part. But they also, you know, they're human. And they, and they, eat, they eat the vegan snack or treat every once in a while. And I think it's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. what you mentioned at the beginning of that discussion was that you're still really mindful about what you're eating in the morning and maybe up to lunch. And I think that's really important. Like neither of us is advocating that that suddenly all your meals become full of processed food and that that's going to be the thing that makes you happy and sleep better and, you know, less stressed because beyond a certain point, it starts creating stress for sure. Uh, but I think what, what has worked really well for me, and I've only have two months experience with this or three months or whatever it is since I've been doing the cooking school, is keeping the meals, the meals that are like built in, my default meals that I'm not thinking much about, 
making those as absolutely healthy as they possibly can be. So almost every day now, it's a smoothie for breakfast, entirely whole food, entirely raw, and a salad with beans and a nut-based dressing on it for lunch, and maybe some fruit in between. But like just the cleanest diet I can eat leading up to lunch, and in fact, actually throughout that, up until dinner time, and then dinner time is going to be something that I'm making from from a cookbook or whatever, and it's going to be something different. But those meals where I'm not consciously making food decisions, the ones where they are built into my diet and they're the default, like go ahead and engineer those and make those as healthy as, as you possibly can be. Like make the salad, make sure all the stuff is in the salad that you want to be getting every day. Uh, it just, to me, that has, has really helped find that balance. And I don't know if there is a balance to be, to be struck or, or where it is and maybe it's different for everybody. But for me, that has, has really helped to, I'm, you know, I'm not at all saying throw all the healthy oil for eating out the window, but for the, for the default decisions, the ones where, you, where they're happening automatically. Yeah. I mean, I think the everyday things that you do should, should pretty much be as healthy as they can be. And then have the, the spots, whether it's, you're going out to eat or, you know, your bread and brazier at an ice cream party or whatever, where it's totally fine to, to, you know, zag instead of zig. So, yeah, and I, and I think you, you make a, a good point. These de- default meals, as you say, I would go one step further. Um, I don't know if you'll go this step with me, but <laughs> but making those default meals that are going to make up a, a bulk of your of your day or bulk of your caloric intake, make them as enjoyable as possible. I mean, for me, it's eating a lot of fruits. You've you've probably heard me say. I often have more than a dozen types of fruit at home at any given time. I mean, I don't want to be bored just eating bananas. I mean, yes, I had three this morning before I had anything else, and I had some oatmeal and and some other things. But um, but I want to keep it diverse and, and enjoyable. I want to have peaches when they're in season, and nectarines, and apricots, and I want to have some some exotic fruits when I'm. These are my default meals of of lots of different fruits, or fruit salad, or whole fruit, or sliced fruit, or whatever the case is. Um, not only make it make it seamless and you just it's just second nature and it's very very healthy as healthy as it can possibly be you know leafy greens and, and diverse salads and and lots of variety of fruit but just to make it as as enjoyable and, and good as possible too because um, perhaps you might agree it, when things are not as enjoyable and they make up the bulk of our diet then we start thinking like okay now I want like that vegan macaroni and cheese or I want something that is enjoyable and it's it's loaded with fat and extra calories and salt and, and whatever the case because those those core meals maybe weren't satisfying me from a a pleasure standpoint a taste standpoint uh, satiation standpoint so that, that's where I would just take it one step further make make sure those default meals are just that is your true essence like that's what you crave that's what you love and then you go do something creative um, for dinner at you know, or maybe for lunch, whatever the case is. But all those other meals are just great tasting, super healthy, and full of vitality and, and just make you feel vibrant. I like it, Robert. Uh, let's see. Last thing I really want to ask you, by the way, because, I mean, we've gone an hour or so, so I don't want to go much longer. Uh, if anyone's interested in in more food-specific talk from Robert, our last podcast interview, which I, I know as the Shredded interview, I don't know what episode it was, and I apologize for that. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, but it's, it was called, let's see, Robert, che- vegan bodybuilder, Robert cheek on the shift from whole plants or processed foods to whole plants or something like that. Uh, but it, yeah. it's some, it's episode 56 or something like that. So that, that one has tons of, of food stuff and caloric density and all kinds of good discussion about that. Uh, so last thing I want to ask you, Robert, and I don't know if I have asked you this before. I may have. And if I, if I have, then hopefully it'll be a new answer. Um, what, what do you think about the connection between trying to stay 
big and and keep mass on, keep weight on. As somebody who it sounds like if you don't focus on it, you know, it's not where you're naturally going to stay. You're going to slide back to 165 or 170 pounds. I have the same problem, only 30 pounds less than that. If I if I stop focusing on trying to be big, and most of my life I'm not focused on that, um, which is why I'm pretty skinny. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll slide back here. You know, skinny is my is my normal, especially eating a plant based diet. It's, it's just it's very easy. I don't eat a lot of calorically dense foods. So I, I have this argument with myself. At the beginning of the year, I was lifting weights a lot, put, was succeeding at putting on weight. I think I was, I don't know, 15, maybe even 20 pounds heavier than I am now. And it was great. But I had this this thing in the back of my head that just kept, this voice in the back of my head, I should say, that didn't have any sort of thing, no no odd growth or anything. Uh, a voice just saying like, yeah, but if, but in order to maintain this, you're going to have to start, you have to keep eating tons of food. And even if it's really healthy food, it's still tons of food, and and we've you know we've seen a lot from from different longevity research. I mean, it seems that caloric restriction is a pretty pretty solid way to to be healthier and live longer. And I don't mean extreme caloric restriction, but but not eating as much as you can. Like that's that's the opposite of caloric restriction. So how do you how do you balance that in your head? Is is that a a struggle that you have that says like this thing that I'm passionate about? And someone might feel the same way about running, right? An ultra runner who trains and runs 120 miles a week this thing they're passionate about is probably also negatively impacting their health in the very long run by messing up their knees or whatever else. Uh, do you have, do you have issues like that? Do you have that discussion in your head that says this thing I'm doing, trying to eat a lot, keep weight on, uh, is, you know, at odds with what's best for my long-term health. And it's particularly interesting. And I guess in the case of, of running would, would be the same, same case where it's something that kind of originated as as health, right? We, you think of someone who's fit and, and and buff as healthy. Similarly, we think of somebody who can run lots of ultra marathons as healthy. But when you, but when taken to the extreme, it starts to become something that isn't the best thing you can do for longevity. Is that something you think about? And, and do you have you come to kind of a resolution or something in your head that that is a nice answer to it? Makes you makes you happy. Yeah, Matt, it is something that I think about. And even furthermore, and I think I wrote about this in my very first book, Vegan Bodybuilding, it is something totally different too, which, but I do want to just briefly mention, was that I often felt guilty as a bodybuilder eating so much food when there are so many people around the world who don't have access to food. And for me to like almost gloat or brag about eating 5,000 calories a day when there are so many people who don't have access to that, to even proper nutrition or adequate calories just for health or survival, you know, I wrestled with that too. Like, like, what am I, what am I doing here? Just stuffing myself and, and yeah, and it probably is having some adverse effects on my, on my health and longevity. And that's one of the reasons I dropped my protein intakes significantly. I mean, I used to eat a ton of protein, 300 grams a day, 5,000 calories a day. Uh, I don't know, 40, 50% of my calories from protein. I dropped it all the way down to somewhere between 10 and 20%. And, you know, I think there's, there's some ways to combat that a little bit. And I am aware, I, I do think of a lot of these things and I've lost uh, many friends and colleagues in their late 30s, early 40s in the mainstream bodybuilding world who have since passed from organ failure, uh, partly possibly due to um, anabolic drug use, steroid use, et cetera, but also no question a, a massive amount, just massive amount of animal protein consumed. I mean, way more than, than I ever ate, you know, when I was eating 300 grams a day, which is insane amount. Some of these guys who weigh 300 pounds were eating double that 600 grams a day and organs failed and 
you know, lost a lot of people I used to know in the bodybuilding world. So I do think about that. And I think there's some ways to overcome some of that. One is to reduce protein intake. I think that is one of the best things a, an athlete can do because protein, as I've talked about in other interviews and in, in my book, Shredded, can have high protein intake can have adverse effects on kidney, liver, bone density, digestion, all kinds of different issues. And so reducing protein intake, uh, perhaps doing some fasting, some intermittent fasting, um, or fasting retreats, or just giving your digestive system a break uh, every once in a while. Uh, there's lots of different methods for fasting, and uh, I don't have a whole lot of experience with that, but I have people, friends, and family who do, who have gone to True North Health Center and have done some uh, guided fasting there. Uh, one of my friends, Will Tucker, a great friend of mine, he'll be my neighbor down the street in Arizona when we get down there next week. Um, he does intermittent fasting, uh, and he's a four-time champion bodybuilder, but he's focused more on, uh, vegan bodybuilder, I should say, and he's focused more on, on health and longevity. Uh, and so he incorporates intermittent fasting into his overall approach. So I think there are some of those things that you can do because it is kind of interesting. It's you, like you mentioned, it's, you think it's, they're inherently connected, looking really fit and being healthy. And they're absolutely not, especially in the bodybuilding world when there are so many supplements and drugs and injections and all these things that people do. It's, and and we know just from mortality rates and, and uh, a lot of the problems that, not only bodybuilders, but pro wrestlers, NFL football players have run into and with very short uh, longevity, um, early mortality rates in 40s, 50s, etc. Uh, there are some things we can do. And, um, and, I, and really, that, that's, I mean, that's what I would say, just eat, eating cleaner foods, lower amount of protein, and taking some time to stay very well hydrated, do a little bit of fasting here and there, and look into, if it's, if it's an area of of interest, uh, just looking in, looking into the subject matter in more detail and just learning more about that. Yeah, I think I think there is think, a tremendous amount to still learn about it that, that maybe nobody knows yet. Because I've heard people ask before, people who seem to know what they're talking about, ask things like, "Yeah, like it does appear that caloric restriction is one of the the tried and true methods of extending lifespan, which is not an easy thing to study. Life, I mean, lifespan, right? That, that that's a pretty long study that we're trying to do." Right. Um, but people have questioned, is it, is it because we just, when we reduce all of our calories, that's what makes us live longer because our body is, is, you know, metabolizing fewer calories or is it because when we reduce our calories across the board, we of course, by definition are reducing each type of macronutrient calorie or each, you know, whatever we're eating, we are reducing that when we reduce our calories. So is it something in there that, that necessarily is being reduced because all calories are being reduced? And if we could just isolate that one thing, animal protein being a really good candidate, uh, you know, would we still see the same longevity or could somebody get really good results from not doing caloric restriction, but occasionally doing intermittent, intermittent fasting? You know, there's not yet data on that. I don't think so. I think there's a lot to learn. I think we will learn a lot about that in the next decade. Uh, so all is not lost for, for the bodybuilding community, I hope. <laughs> All right. Well, it was silly of me, Robert, to think that we could knock this out in 45 minutes. Uh, I forgot who I was talking to, the the ever ever talkative Robert Cheek, but I think it's a the really... ever chatty Robert Cheek. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good thing. And uh, we'll be on the cruise together. You'll be there, right, again? Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing the uh, casino all seven nights. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Now we, we figured out there's a <laughs> poker table that you can do poker tournaments on. It's one of those electronic numbers where you all sit around there and there's a 
you know your cards show up on the screen in front of you. Uh, but hey, it's poker, and uh, we we only discovered it on like the last two nights of the. I know period, that's so. a game changer. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. one of the things I most look forward to doing now: sitting around with a bunch of my friends playing electronic poker. I could just, even though we're out in the Caribbean and there's gourmet vegan meals all around us, uh, you know, I just want to play poker with my buddies. Yeah, I know it's funny. I think I think the. Uh, Maybe the temperature of the cruise ship environment is going to change a lot because suddenly there's there's a, a casino full of, of vegans playing playing cards. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's called Holistic Holiday, Holiday at Sea. Not whatever I just said. It's called Holistic Holiday at Sea. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I think it's March 11th through 18th this year. Always a good time. Robert and I will both be there. Uh, so join us then if you can. And I think that is it, Robert. Where can people find you if not if not Facebook? Well, I am still uh, at Robert Cheek on Twitter. I'm still on veganbodybuilding.com. Karen is actively running our Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness Instagram page, which is full of lots of fun and exciting photos there. And I will get back on to Facebook eventually. I just think this is a a much-needed break for me to – it's a, it's a much longer conversation, and I, I'm sure I'd be quite chatty about it, about removing that addiction of checking notifications constantly, which keeps me from writing and finishing this book. So uh, I will get back on there eventually. But for now, uh, Twitter is a good place where I can just write really, really quickly from my phone and say hi. And, uh, of course, veganbodybuilding.com where you can see all our latest articles, products, clothing, books, and represent the vegan bodybuilding and fitness lifestyle. All right. Sounds good, Robert. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all you you have done and continue to do for the plant-based athlete community. And uh, I really look forward to reading Plant-Based Muscle, assuming that assuming that title sticks. Uh, and we should definitely we should do something like this again when when it's out, whether it's January or, or September of next year. <laughs> or the following year. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and the No Meat Athlete community. So thank you so much for having me on. I sincerely appreciate it. All right. I will talk to you soon. Have a good move. Thanks, Matt. See you on the cruise. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.